My name is August McLaughlin, and I've been contemplating girl boners for years. It's time for Girl Boner Radio with August McLaughlin, a spicy blend of personal stories, in-depth reporting, and inspiration. Girl Boner is where good girls go for sexual empowerment. Listen in as August McLaughlin, award-winning health and sexuality writer, explores female sexual pleasure like no one else. She's the big sister slash girlfriend you've always wanted, and she loves to talk sex. Only on Global Voice Broadcasting. Did you know that the word orgasm derives from the Greek word orgasmos, which means excitement and swelling? It makes total sense, right? Last week, I had one without even fully realizing it, and I've been swelling in other ways, kind of with fascination and curiosity ever since. Welcome back to Girl Boner Radio, where good girls go for sexual empowerment. I'm your host, August McLaughlin, and as of last Friday, I'm a firm believer that a woman can climax without really being sure if she has. So first of all, I had a blast hosting North America's World Sexual Health Day celebration in New York City on Thursday. I hope you uh, were able to attend in person or uh, by watching the live stream. If not, you can catch the whole shebang on Gander TV. It was a awesome, awesome night um, celebrating sexual health. The theme was how do you define sexual wellness? And it was full of fabulous music and theatrics. It had the most beautiful yoga performances I've ever seen. And this panel made up of incredible sexologists who explored the topic of the night. Um, an awesome experience I'm so grateful for. And I've met so many wonderful people. And toward the end of that night, uh, Dr. Sara Nazarzadeh, who's this brilliant sociologist uh, and the chairperson of the, of the event, took audience questions. Little did I know just how relevant that conversation would be for me the next morning. Here's a clip from that convo. Hi. So I read on the internet, my friend's um, boyfriend's read on the, my friend's boyfriend read on the internet that 70% of women cannot have an orgasm through just sex. So I'm thinking, okay, well that means you're not going to try? Like, come on now. I know that my friend has experienced it before, but it's like, are you going to try or not? But it feels kind of like, is that true? Or, or did a man write that article on the internet? Okay, you are actually in luck tonight because of two things. First of all, thank you for the language. We're not having orgasms. We are experiencing orgasms. Please have that on your mind. And also, if you don't mind, I'm going to put you on the spotlight. Three, uh, on the spotlight, three people here: Dr. Barry Masarok, Dr. Beverly Whipple, and Betty Dalton here. Yeah. I I think one uh, one of the issues is um, the um, skills that the uh, partner uses. So um, uh, unless that's controlled for, uh, I, I'm very leery of that percentage. Everyone is a unique individual, and everyone has their own desires, their own wants, and they have to be able to be aware of them, acknowledge them, and then communicate them to their partner. Very important, and thank you for emphasizing experiencing orgasm rather than trying to reach or achieve it. Thank you. And thank you for tonight, Sarah. be a good one. I can't believe I get to talk to the whole room. Wow. 
one of the problems for women, since I've been doing this for 45 years, teaching them how to have orgasms, is they really have to learn from masturbating and doing it with themselves. Once a woman learns what she likes, what she needs, and what feels good, we should be masturbating from a very early age right on through so that the connection is being made from the clitoris to the orgasm and we get those circuits hooked up. I mean, if we're just going to all of a sudden start dating and some poor guy goes down on you and you can't understand why you can't come, and that's what's happening, I am answering 10 questions or more every day online. It's all happening online. Online is where we got to go to teach our kids about sex. And it's I do it without pay. I am totally obsessed. And it's just like Margaret Mead said, answer questions. If you want to find out what's going on, talk to the kids. And they're telling me. We don't even know how to define sex. What is sex? What is it? We use the word. You're going to have sex, or what does that mean? A penis that's going to go in and out of a vagina, or a mouth, or an asshole? I'm sorry. That's not going to work for many women. So we have to redefine or actually I mean, define it so that we have a way of looking at sex that isn't the old traditional, God bless him, can he stay in the grave? That, that awful idea that, that I can't even think of his name. I hate him so much. Freud, Freud, that piece of shit. You don't. You better take it away from me. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for um, all the answers and also just about that research because it's actually overcoated in the media as well, just if I, um, if I can. In that research, it was self-reported research that, that actually I don't name the colleague who published that originally. And also then it applied with media because they wanted the you know, percentage and all that. But uh, to answer your question whether the percentage is right or wrong, it's wrong. As Dr. Whipple mentioned, everyone is, you know, individual and all that. And also many women come to see us, they are experiencing orgasm when they go through the machine. But when you ask them, are you orgasmic, they say no. So they don't know. That last voice before Dr. Sara was uh, Betty Dodson. She's incredible, and I'm hoping to have her on the show uh, one of these days. Uh, and Barry Kamasurk is actually going to be joining me a little bit later today, which is exciting. Uh, so at the end of the night, my sights turned promptly to the next day when my uh, sex geek dream was planned to quite literally come true. Uh, at last year's World Sexual Health Day event, I had the pleasure of sharing a table with uh, Dr. Kamasurik, the researcher, professor, and orgasm expert at Rutgers University uh, that Dr. Sara was just talking about, the very man who heads these orgasm MRI studies that I had read so much about. So you guessed it. He kindly offered to allow me to participate in the study. I believe I was the fourth journalist to do so, um, bringing myself to Climax in an MRI machine next time I was in New York, and this happened to be the time. So Friday morning, I woke up early. I headed to Newark to do just that, to masturbate in an MRI machine while my brain activity was being uh, digitally captured and monitored by scientists. Sounds really hot, right? I'm sure some of you, some of you must be thinking that, you know, that is girl boner worthy. I'm sure some of you might think it's a little strange. But if you're really, really, if you have a research fetish like I do and you're really into sexology, it's such a dream come true. I'm so grateful for the experience. I'll share more details about 
everything that happened in an article for Indie Chicks magazine soon and a bit on my blog. But in the meantime, here's just the nutshell version before I bring in our first fantastic guest for today. So after I filled out some paperwork, uh, Dr. Kamisarek and his crew fitted me for a mask and head brace, which would keep me from moving my head at all during the process, which would interfere with the scan. Uh, So in other words, I had to lay perfectly – I mean, my head was like bolted down essentially. Uh, I couldn't move my mouth like the – there's a, I, I got to keep it too. There's a mask that goes over my face that uh, has holes that I could breathe through, but I couldn't even, you know, open my mouth or anything. Um, it kind of made me look like some weird combination of like a human colander and that really scary guy from Psycho. Uh, more importantly, it was, again, just to keep me still and lay in this enclosed space that some people have compared to like a tubular coffin. Uh, So they ask you lots of questions about, you know, whether you're claustrophobic. And I was told that I might have this kind of flight or fight or flight reaction when I got in. A lot of people kind of freak out at first. But luckily, I was I was doing all right. And I, I don't I've never known myself to be claustrophobic. So I was pretty comfortable. I actually felt like somewhat like it's a spa day in some ways. You know, there's somebody you're in a robe and there's people um, putting this warm thing on your face and putting you onto this bed and all that. Uh, And I was actually a little nervous about one thing, not not nervous about the actual experience, but I was concerned I might interfere with their research simply because I, I learned the day before that I would not only have to lie very still, but I would have to stimulate my clitoris only with my hand, ideally, which that's not how I usually come. And, uh, and you know, they were going to measure the orgasm without me moving at all. And I thought, gosh, first, and, and on my back, which I'm usually on my stomach. So there are all these things. I actually read that one journalist had practiced for, for like weeks. And, you know, I've had orgasms, but I certainly haven't been practicing this position <laughs> at all. Uh, but the generous doctor team, who also included uh, Nan Wise, who is incredible. I, she's such a wonderful person to work with, and she just recently got her PhD, which is so exciting. Um, they were so reassuring. They said, you know, it's interesting if you come. It's interesting if you don't come, and don't worry about it. Uh, we'll study it. And they actually gave me the option to try it twice, uh, just with uh, stimulating my clitoris with my hand and then also using the um, the dildo that I had brought. So that was really cool. And a good thing, too, because, you know, they made me so comfortable. And if I had gone in all stressed out about, oh, my gosh, what if I can't come? Then that's probably not the best way, as we all know, to, to try to be aroused. Uh, so once I was in the machine, I felt I felt pretty comfortable, but I was I was relaxed and I was excited. Uh, it just, I mean, it kind of felt Christmassy. It was like, I can't believe this is happening. I've thought about it for a long time. And these visual prompts on a screen in front of me were showing different words and cues that they had explained in advance. So here's one example. Uh, they would have me, it would say something about, you know, think about your hand in front of your nipple without touching it. Then think about actually touching your nipple. Then then actually touch your nipple. So you you do each one for I don't know how long, but uh, I think it was maybe several minutes at a time with breaks in between. And they'd have you rest in between. And I could actually feel my – it was so interesting, my body reacting to, cert, to certain things more so than others. And long story short, the whole visualization process, maybe my actress training, I don't know, my imagination might be a little extra strong, but I was so turned on by the time we got to the actual, you know, touching of the clitoris that <laughs> uh, I was, I was really, really 
you know, craving a deep orgasm, but an entire orgasm, like the combination kind that I'm accustomed to. But of course, I couldn't just flip over, even if I had wanted to, and it would have messed everything up anyhow. So I ended up, you know, I did what they said, you stimulate your clitoris. And I, I ended up feeling a sense of release. And it wasn't what I would typically call a climax. It was more like a pre-climax, like something that I'll experience before and after what I have considered my, my orgasm, but it made me want a bigger one a lot, which was weird. It was exciting and frustrating at the same time. Um, perhaps, perhaps some of you uh, vaginal orgasm preferring girls out there can, can relate to this. Uh, so it actually seemed like a really drawn out process to me. Like I was, I was enjoying it, but it felt like it was taking a really long time. I, I was so anticipating the next thing. And then I had to laugh because the first thing, one of the scientists came in, I couldn't see anything. I was still in the tube um, and said to me, you know, you can take more time. That was really fast. And I thought, oh my gosh, I have no patience. Um, I guess I really do love quickies, which I knew. But anyway, so the next time I tried to go slower and I, uh, Dr. Um, Barry Kamasurik had asked me, you know, so did you have an orgasm? Because I told him in advance, I'd be surprised if I didn't. I said, you know what? I think I may have, which is a weird thing to say. You know, I how could you maybe have had an orgasm? It's like usually you know or you or you know you did it. And um, after, but then I realized I had ejaculated. Like it didn't even strike me until then that I was sitting in all of this fluid. And so I told him that. And you know, so they're taking notes on all this. And then I went back in with the dildo. And then after that time, I realized that I had had two clitoral orgasms in a row, uh, one in each experience, uh, without anything internal. So that's right, folks. My first lying flat, hands only, self stimulation to my clit only climax. <laughs> Happened with my head pinned down to a medical device at Rutgers University. Who knew? Uh, I'm used to smaller and less intense orgasms, like I said, leading up to uh, the big O. So it was sort of like the reverse of aftershocks of an earthquake, if that makes sense. Uh, And, of course, all of this, none of this is to say that vaginal orgasms are in any way superior to clitoral orgasms. You know, usually I'm accustomed to the combination variety, but everybody is so different. Uh, some people I know have very, very strong clitoral orgasms, and sexuality is just such an individual thing as the uh, the wonderful panel was talking about at the event this last week. So anyway, I, I'm just really fascinated by this whole thing, and I feel like I need to explore it more and talk about it more, starting today with our fabulous guest, Aliyah Janine, who first joined me by phone back in July. And she's back. She's actually in Los Angeles, so she's in the studio with me today. Aliyah Jean is a retired porn star turned comedian and the host of Scatterbrain Podcast. She's also the owner of Misfits Podcast and will be performing in an adult-themed comedy and variety show this week here in L.A. on Thursday night. It's Sam Tripoli's new stage show, Tripoli X. Uh, and it's on September 11th at 9 p.m. at Crazy Girls. That's 1433 North La Brea, and I'm hoping to make it. Uh, so all you locals out there, I hope you can come. She's she's fabulous. Welcome, Aaliyah. Thanks Thank for being here. Thank you very much for having me. 
How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. It's good to be back in L.A. I miss L.A. Apparently, I brought some rain with me, so you guys are welcome for that. You know, it's actually great. We've had this crazy drought, as you probably I know. Heard. I've been watching the news. I'm like, I even brought my own water on the plane, and I told my friend, I'm like, I brought my own water. You're so cute. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get myself through this drought. <laughs> right? I'll help you guys out. Don't worry. Oh, my gosh. So before I ask you about your show that I want okay. to hear all about, um, I'm curious, because now I'm starting like an informal poll. Have you ever had an orgasm that you didn't really you were having it yeah like a couple um it depends on and it's mainly like when there's a lot of rubbing and clitoral stimulation where um it's just like the lit like you had said the aftershocks or whatever there's one particular guy that um i used to date that was really good at that and it's like yeah. like i would have intense ones and then all of a sudden just all these like little random ones yeah. <laughs> i'm like those are awesome. But then, yeah, it kind of does leave you wanting a little bit more. Yeah, well, that's good to know. I'm relieved to know that, you know, because it's so funny because I've, I've, I've said for a long time that I, I'm just not really a clitoral orgasm girl. Like, yeah. And I don't. That's not how I masturbate either. Yeah. So it's just is so strange to me. And, and uh, when you're used to more, and I, I'm sure people have different some people have more sensation there. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. So every, everyone's a little bit different. Um, do you have favorite types of orgasm or are you kind of... Like, because I like clitoral. Like, I could do clitoral, but also, like, vaginal as well. Um, it just really depends on what type of mood I'm in. And, like, yeah. because I have, like, a little mini Hitachi, which is amazing. But then, like, you get, like, a regular dildo with that, too. And that's wait, also... Wait, wait. What's a Hitachi? I don't know about that. It's, like, the very powerful. It's, like, supposed to be, like, the neck massager. But women actually use it. And it's, like, really freaking oh. powerful. And it's basically, it's just like a mini version of it because, I mean, this thing is huge. Like, it's a really big, like, wand type thing. And then this is just like a little mini version of that. Okay, I see. It's I a little see. bit more discreet, you guys. <laughs> so you don't go, like, like this big, like, yeah, stick it out of your purse thing. or something. Yeah, that's so funny. Um, and it's, it's really awesome how, you know, one stimulates the other, too. Yeah. I mean, I personally think that most women are probably capable of, of both and all and yeah and yeah it's just like thing. you really have to like know your body and like like um when i heard the the guy said like you actually have to masturbate and play with yourself to figure out what you like because other people aren't going to know what you like because they're not you <laughs> it's so true and you know what's so funny when i was telling people about the mri scans mm-hmm. that i was about to do uh, several people several of the guys that i mentioned it to when you know it just somehow came up in conversation was that they were like well how are you going to do that like how can you just it's almost like they didn't think I could come without either a guy or a vibrator or something. It was really strange. And it's like, no, like, you guys use your hands. Women yeah. are very capable of using their hands yeah. as well. Like, guys are always, like, pounding and, you know, fingering you and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, oh, do you like that? It's like, eh. no, you need to work on that a little bit. Totally, totally. And it's, it's interesting because, I mean, I think that all women would masturbate more if you know, it's just, it's not as obvious for one thing. It's not yeah. like we can just, like, if we could just reach down and see it all the time, don't you think we'd be doing Oh, that? without a doubt. Like, if yeah. it was there, it'd be like, it's like boobs. Like, I'm constantly moving it, you know, so and like... Them getting them out of the way and stuff like that. <laughs> I actually met a woman, she was 40 years old, and she had two children, and she never had an orgasm before. I was like, how? I'm like, let me help you. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, please, like, let's figure this out. Like, this yeah. is, we need to work on this. You know what? The next study they're doing at the Institute is on A-orgasmia, which is women who believe or or certainly can't. Yeah, like, orgasm. feel like they can't have yeah, one. That's, that's really sad. It is really sad. It's like, how do you, because, I mean, it took me a while, you know, growing up to figure out what I like to even, like, get my first one. And a guy actually gave me the first one with fingers, amazingly. It was just clitoral stimulation or whatever. Um, I was 17, and I had sex, 
you know, a couple of times before that, but it wasn't until like after, you know. Yeah. And then I was just like, oh, okay. And then I really started because like I would play with myself and nothing would happen. I'm like, okay, this is stupid. I'm like, maybe I'm broken. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like maybe I'm broken. And then I was like, oh, I am definitely not broken. And then after that, it was just a downward spiral. Opened I up guess. The <laughs> Downward spiral. Downward spiral into amazing. Yes, into amazing orgasms oh nonstop. So funny. Uh, speaking of which, so last time I, I spoke with you, you were you had already started. You you were performing around mm-hmm. New York. I think you had just had a show or had one coming up. Yeah. Uh, and you were talking about what it's like to, uh, you know, get up on stage and to be the like the 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 one porn star experience friend among the com- comedians you yeah, talked about. Yeah, yeah. Um, how are things going in your career right now? It's really great. On? No, things are like really moving along. Obviously, I got another show booked here in LA, which is amazing with another um, amazing lineup. So it's 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 going really well. Um, all my classes, like I finished all of those comedy classes. I am going to be taking more at um, UCB um, and improv and like finish up the, the sketch writing program that they have there. And stuff, but no, it's great. I, um, I love the New York comedy scene. Everyone there is like super supportive, um, and and you know they give me great advice and stuff like that. So no, it's great. Um, I actually just got my own comedy show too that I'm going to be hosting um, at the Cutting Room. Um, <gasps> That's where the event was. That our World Sexual Health Day. Yeah, it's a beautiful venue. It's so beautiful, stage. and they have that stage and stuff like that. So it's going to be um, the Cutthroat um, Comedy Hour. It's going to be during Happy Hour. Um, just starting out once a month, just to. Awesome. Get it started and everything like that. So yeah, I'm really excited. Congratulations! Thank you. Will it be streamed? Do you know? Um, I don't know. Like, like it's possible. I was thinking like there's so many different things that I could do. Like record them, obviously, yeah. and then like maybe even like stream them and stuff like yeah. that. Gander um, TV uh, did ours or did the World Sexual Health Day, mm-hmm. and it came out really well. So nice. If, yeah, if you're looking for another resource, but that's amazing. Let me know if we can see it, because that's that's great. So is that starting soon? Um, yeah, we're going to try to get it going in October. Cool. Yes, so I'm very excited. tell me about this show on Thursday. What's happening? Um, the show on Thursday is hosted by Sham, uh, Sam, <laughs> Triple E, <laughs> Sham, Sammy Boy. Um, it has Brody Stevens, Duquesne Trussell, Brian Redband, uh, Tiffany Haddish, Justin Riviera. I think he's like... Um, magician, comic type thing. It's a a comedy variety show. Sam always throws these really cool shows um, where he mixes, like, stand-up comedy and then, like, he'll have, like, little skits and stuff like that. Like, he throws really, really good shows. Um, I've worked with Sam before um, for a bunch of his naughty show stuff, Um, some skits and stuff like that. I actually just found one of the videos and posted it up on uh, YouTube. It's the Million Dollar Blowout. It's it's funny. So, yeah, um, it's great to to be able to work with them again and stuff. That's exciting. So is the – have you – noticed any differences in the L.A. comedy scene versus New York? Um, well, it's funny because, like, when I was here, like, I hung out at comedy clubs and stuff like that with comedians, but not in the same capacity, really, just okay. more like hanging out. So it's, like, I know a lot of the people, you know, they go back and forth a lot of times. So um, it will be interesting. Like, I'm going to be doing some open mics and stuff um, while I'm out here, too, and just to check out a couple of the other clubs that I didn't actually get to, like, hang out at when I was here. It's mainly just um, the L.A. Improv and the Comedy Store. That I hung out with, but now I'm going to check out like flappers, and there's like a bunch of other ones that I want to go see. Yeah, since I'm here the week, and might as well do it, right? Awesome. (laughs) Awesome. And is this new material, or is it stuff you've performed already? Um, it's a mixture of both. Like I definitely. I nailed down like a perfect five minute set and like a perfect eight minute set that I really, really like. And um, 
A lot of it is obviously porn based. I got to get all that out the first couple of years. That's so cool. But yeah, I definitely nailed it down to what, um, yeah, they're really good sets. I'm excited for them. (laughs) Oh, I'm so intrigued. I I really hope I can make it. And the whole show is adult themed, I read. Yeah, yeah. It's actually, it's in a strip club, which is weird because I actually have a joke about how much comedians and porn stars and strippers have in common. And then here we are doing... A show at a strip club, so it's going to be a little surreal. <laughs> what do they have? Like, what are some of the main things? They oh well, say? just how the bit goes is, um, you know, they have stages and lights, and then compare the the poles, like the microphone stand pole, and then oh. <laughs> the stripper pole, and then daddy issues and alcoholism. And, oh, I got you know all the other fun stuff. That goes oh, that was fun things. So if you have a uh, like a brain fart at some point, you could just like do a pole dance or something. Uh, but yeah, just swing around the pole and be like, <laughs> like I could have swore I retired, and somehow here I am back in a strip club. <laughs> what type of decisions am I? making it in my life that's hysterical i love that i love that and are you do you memorize your shows or is it pretty improvisational no i I remember like i have like the basic bits down but sometimes like you know i'll go off a little bit if something pops in that's super funny but i have to be careful of that because sometimes if i go off on tangents like i'll forget where i was yeah i totally do that all the time like my short-term memory shot because of medical marijuana (laughs) (laughs) But you're so chill. It works out. Yeah, no. So, uh, like I tell people, I'm like, sometimes I forget my name. It's cool. It's totally okay. You're so creative. You can just make up a new one. It's okay. I I screwed up your name last time. I felt so bad about that. A lot of people do. Like, I'm not offended at all. The only people that really get my names right are um, the Uber drivers in New York because they, you know, a lot of them are are Muslim or Saudis. They're like, oh, do you know where your name comes from? And I'm like, yes, I heard this story. You know, buddy. What's a Muslim name? Well, it's actually a Saudi name because okay. of a queen was named Alia, but um, different people will will take name. I actually had an Irish guy say, "Oh, that's Irish." I'm like, "Eh, you may be pushing it Just a little bit." Yeah, it's Irish to me, but not at all. <laughs> <laughs> that's hysterical. Uh, and before I let you go, what what do you find funny? What how do you? I'm, I'm sure you must see humor in life. I imagine comics do, but what really cracks you up? everything (laughs) like I can find humor and like I try to find humor in everything that's the whole comedy tragedy thing is that there's always there's something tragic you could find something humorous out of it yeah I think you know that helps you um get over certain things too you know if you can't laugh at it or laugh at yourself then you're obviously you know you're not getting over it so true so true well thank you so much for being here thank you so much for having me again nice to be in the studio sure good luck on Thursday I hope to see you there I'm so pleased to introduce you all to Dr. Barry Kamasurik, Distinguished Professor uh, of the Department of Psychology and Adjunct Professor of the Department of Radiology at Rutgers University. His research is the first to report the brain regions activated during orgasm in women, the role of the vagus nerves in conveying genital sensation in women with severed spinal cord, and the phenomenon and mechanism of the pain-blocking action of vaginal stimulation, research that receives all kinds of international media coverage in print and video. I'm so pleased to have you here today, Barry. How are you doing today? I'm fine. Good to be uh, good, good to be with you. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Uh, I would love to hear from you. What What's the kind of the aim or what did you set out to learn with uh, the orgasm study that I participated in? Uh, we want to know what the uh, brain regions are that are activated during orgasm. Uh, we want to understand the sequence of uh, brain regions that become activated at orgasm. Uh, we want to know what 
the uh, what specifically uh, brain regions are that uh, give the pleasure of orgasm. Um, and um, one of the uh, goals is to understand the natural process, the natural sequence, so that we can understand what happens in cases of uh, people who can't experience orgasms, um, people who are anorgasmic. Uh, we'd like to know uh, where does the uh, activation stop? Where does it get blocked on the way to orgasm? Uh, so there are ways of uh, getting around those blocks. Fantastic. It's such a wonderful goal and a fascinating body of work. Uh, what are some of the findings? Has anything surprised you along the way? We've had many surprises. Um, the, uh, um, w- uh, we, we've been uh, mapping the genital system, and um, uh, we want to see where the vagina cervix and the, and the uh, clitoris project to in the sensory cortex because that hadn't been mapped before. And um, we, we see where, where it uh, where those uh, different uh, uh, regions project to in the sensory cortex, they all project to a uh, uh, kind of in a cluster uh, in a in a local region of the sensory cortex. And one of the surprises uh, was not not only that they each have their own uh, unique distribution, uh, but that um, the uh, nipple self-stimulation activates the same region, uh, which uh, was a big surprise to my male neuroscience colleagues, but uh, not to my female neuroscience <laughs> colleagues. They expected that. Um, so that, that changes the, uh, the classical map of the body on the sensory cortex. Uh, so that was one surprise. Another surprise is that um, when we were uh, doing um, uh, the studies of the mapping, uh, we had a, a comparison group where we, we asked the women to just think about the stimulation, not actually doing the physical stimulation. We thought that would be uh, a contrast. But as a matter of fact, uh, when they just thought of the stimulation, we got the uh, equivalent activation of the sensory cortex. So the, just the thinking about stimulation, genital stimulation, is evidently a very powerful stimulus, and it can act, actually produce an equivalent activation that uh, physical stimulation produces Um, but there is a difference and and that is that uh, when the women think about the stimulation as opposed to actually applying the stimulation there's a much stronger activation in addition in the frontal cortex which is considered the executive part of the brain so uh, that's that's an additional activation uh, during the thinking uh, much more than with just the physical stimulation. So we're learning a lot about the uh, how the brain works, and we're seeing surprises. We you know, things that um, uh, we wouldn't be able to know any other way, uh, but um, they're helping us to understand the natural, the normal, and the uh, pathological conditions. So exciting! Uh, I I know that you had one option for some of your research participants in this study was to. Uh, bring themselves to climax only by thinking about it. Yes. And is that something that you found to be like that women uh, were willing to do and women kind of, from your experience, do you feel like that's a pretty relatively common thing? Well, we really don't know how how common it is. Uh, although 
uh, Gina Ogden, who studied it, said that uh, um, she, she's a sex therapist, and she said that um, maybe uh, almost half of the women who, who she's interviewed uh, say that they can uh, experience orgasms just by thinking. Uh, and I was very skeptical about that. That's, that's, another, that's uh, another surprise. There are a couple of other surprises that I can mention. That's another surprise was that the, uh, when she told us that uh, she knows women who can think themselves to orgasm, um, this was, uh, uh, I was very skeptical about that. So we, we, have, uh, we have four measures of uh, uh, physiological measures of orgasm that uh, are objective measures and that's, uh, uh, that we find that the, uh, the, the heart rate approximately doubles at orgasm and the blood pressure doubles at orgasm. The pupils dilate to about twice their uh, normal diameter their resting diameter at orgasm, and pain thresholds uh, double, which in other words, it, it takes twice as much force to produce a painful stimulus during orgasm. In other words, the women become much less sensitive to pain at orgasm. That was another surprise. Uh, but so we measured the, these, we took these four measures of blood pressure, heart rate, pupil diameter, and pain thresholds in the women who claimed that they could think themselves to orgasm. And we studied 10 women and we found that they really did, uh, all those measures did in fact double. Um, and we also asked them to uh, have orgasms by uh, physical stimulation, physical self-stimulation. And the, the magnitude of the increases uh, was approximately the same, whether they had the orgasms by physical stimulation or by thinking in themselves into orgasm. So then uh, we've been looking at brain activity during um, uh, in, in women who can think themselves to orgasm, and we see uh, most of the same brain regions become activated when they think themselves to orgasm as when they apply physical stimulation to orgasm. So that, those are big surprises to us. Another surprise was uh, uh, the, the fact that uh, vaginal stimulation produces a very powerful pain blocking uh, effect. Uh, the women become very insensitive to pain uh, during um, during vaginal self-stimulation and also during orgasm, uh, but uh, the their sensitivity to touch uh, doesn't change. In other words, they they stay just as sensitive to touch as uh, during as during resting, but they become much less sensitive to pain. So there's some. Uh, there's a selective inhibition of pain. So in other words, the vaginal stimulation produces a very strong analgesia, which is a specific inhibition of pain, not, not general um, insensitivity. Ah, no. Another uh, another surprise was uh, that, uh, uh, and probably more surprising to the women than to us, was when we studied um, women with uh, uh, a severed spinal cord uh, who have no sensation below the level of the injury when we, we were looking at the effect on pain thresholds in those women, and we found that um, they could feel their vaginal and cervical stimulation. Um, and they even some of the women even had orgasms from the stimulation, and when when they experienced that, it was an extraordinarily emotional uh, event. 
in in the lab because they they were told by their health uh, care professionals that uh, their sex life was over after the spinal cord injury and they and they never even tried any kind of um, vaginal or st- stimulation when they tried it in the laboratory and they they said they could feel it um, this they there was tears of joy uh, mm-hmm. all around it was really a very very dramatic uh, um, experience and um, that's really how I got into measuring uh, the brain activity during orgasm because uh, in order to in order to f- figure out how they could possibly be feeling the the vaginal stimulation even though their spinal cords were completely cut um, I thought that the only way that would be possible would be by by via the vagus nerve that uh, uh, ca- carries sensation from outside the spinal cord. It's a cranial nerve. It goes all the way through the body. Um, it wasn't thought to go as far as the genital system, but uh, these women did feel it. And the, the only way to test it would be to um, do brain recording uh, of the region to which the vagus nerves project in the uh, lower brainstem, in a region called the medulla, um, and that's why I did the brain imaging and found that in those women, when they apply the vaginal self-stimulation, the vagus nerve projection zone in the medulla of the brainstem did get activated. So that's, that uh, was evidence that uh, they're feeling the stimulation via the vagus nerves, and some of those women had orgasms, and that's how I saw where orgasms occur in the brain, and that was the first evidence in humans where of where uh, orgasm occurs in the brain fascinating and and what an inspiring and and beautiful finding uh with with women who who had no feeling uh below the waist did they uh when you said that they experienced orgasm in in the lab and they you could see the evidence could they could they have told you that as well like did they know that they'd had an orgasm before you told them can they actually feel it yes in, they- Okay. Yeah, they they uh, we were, we were just I just asked them to um, I, we, I was really mapping the uh, whether to whether to see whether the the vagus nerve projection zone would become activated uh, in in the women with the seventh spinal cord when they applied the vaginal self stimulation, and um, they said uh, yes they they uh, they can feel it and and then some of some of the women had orgasms. Wow. So they they told me I didn't I didn't you know I I didn't even expect it. Wow! But, uh, and did they feel the <laughs> orgasm in their genital area or was it? Yes. Wow. Yeah, they felt it in the genital region. To, to yeah. even feel anything down there for them would have been incredible. It's so beautiful that it, it as it turns out it's a really incredible uh, feeling of, of intense pleasure. How incredible! That's that's wonderful. Um, and what they, do you... they couldn't you know they they couldn't feel they couldn't feel the clitoris mm. because the clitoris has a the, the sensory nerve from the clitoris goes into the spinal cord. It goes through the spinal cord to the brain. But the the uh, the intriguing thing is that the the vagina and the cervix. Uh, the nerve that carries the sensation from from the vagina and cervix is the the vagus nerve, which is a completely different nerve, and that's a cranial nerve. That's the one that goes outside the spinal cord. So the so uh, they couldn't feel their legs. They couldn't feel the clitoris because those are all uh, they call somatic nerves. They're ex- external bo- bodily nerves, and they couldn't feel anything below the level of the injury externally. But the internal organs is what they could feel, and that's via the vagus nerve. 
Wow. My goodness. It's, it's all so fascinating to me. Uh, what, what is one uh, really common myth about orgasm in general that you feel? I know Dr. Sara brought up uh, one, or, well, it was asked to her at the event, and, and you all chimed in about, you know, what percentage of women have orgasm. Beyond that, what's, what's another common myth that, that you run into? Um, well, I, I think uh, a very damaging uh, co- common myth is that, uh, and that, that was, came from Kinsey uh, when, in the Kinsey report in the 1950s, that uh, they claimed, and this was really a really crazy claim, they claimed that uh, the, the, uh, the vagina and cervix are insensate. In other words, the women can't feel vaginal and cervical stimulation. And uh, they, the, the their own data in in their book uh, contradict that clearly, uh, yeah. because what they what they were saying is that the, the women could not feel a uh, a Q-tip being brushed in the vagina and the cervix, uh, but when they applied a probe and pressure to the vagina and cervix, that uh, over 85 percent of the women in, in over 800 women they could feel it. Wow. And why they concluded that it's insensate, I have uh, no idea. But that somehow got into the popular literature, and and um, so clearly women um, have uh, vag- vaginal and and cervical sensibility. They can feel it, and it, they uh, we we've seen in the lab that uh, the women can have orgasms from vaginal or cervical stimulation. And what we, one of the implications of the mapping study that we did, where we mapped the, the clitoris, the vagina, and the cervix, is that each, each of them have their, each of those uh, pairs of nerves, the, the nerves that carry sensation from the clitoris, the vagina, and the cervix, um, they each have a, a different dis- distribution in the sensory cortex, but if they're stimulated in combination, then the area, the volume, the number of neurons, the volume of neurons that are activated is much greater than stimulating any one alone, any one region by itself. So what, the implication there and the, and the nipple stimulation adds to that. So the implication is that the, um, the quality of stimulating the, the multiple regions concurrently the quality is, is different because the quality of stimulation of the clitoris is different from that of the vagina, is different from that of the cervix. The, the way that women describe the feelings of it, that the clitoris is more local, the vagina is, more, is deeper. Um, one woman described the stimulation of the cervix as a shower of stars. Mm-hmm. Um, so when, when they're all uh, stimulated in combination concurrently, then the, there's a much larger brain volume that's activated, many more neurons are activated, it produces a more complex and a more intense orgasm. So um, one of the implications is that uh, the, uh, the, by stimulating the different regions concurrently, it can provide uh, for different quality and more uh, complex and more pleasurable orgasms. Uh, and certainly, the vagina and cervix contribute to that. We, I mean, we see the we see the 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 fact that there's a, a clear sensory projection from them into the sensory cortex, and the women certainly say they feel it. So, um, that's that's a, a big myth. And uh, of course, another myth is that um, uh, after a spinal cord injury, uh, women can't feel anything. 
um, below the level of an injury. And we see clearly that that's, <laughs> you've, that's a myth. Yeah, you've shown that to, to not be true as well. And it's so well, important, as you said, because we're very sensitive to what we believe. So these messages, it's, it's really damaging yeah. to have those negative messages. And I, I just want to thank you for uh, providing such quality proven uh, data and information that empowers women and educates women and men about their bodies. Thank you for, for doing that. Uh, one quick last question before I let you go here. Uh, since I know I, I met you at World Sexual Health Day last year and you were um, attended this year as well, what's, what's one thing that you um, enjoyed most about this year's event? Uh, I, I felt that the um, uh, the couple uh, uh, Emily Weiner and Jeffrey Solomon, who uh, uh, did the performances on Houses on the Moon, um, I thought that they were eloquent and and um, the scenarios that they that they uh, presented of uh, the the um, uh, like GLBT the gender identity mm-hmm. uh, issues yeah. and conflicts. Uh, in their scenarios were uh, very had a tremendous impact and a very uh, strong in uh, uh, a strong effect on consciousness raising of uh, to understand what kinds of conflicts uh, transgender and uh, uh, different different gender identity uh, persons what they have to go through in their social interactions. It, I thought they were wonderful, um, uh, wonderful uh, vignettes, uh, very, very powerful. Uh, so that was really impressive to me. And um, uh, one of the things that impressed, well, one of the, the questions that one of the uh, uh, women in the audience asked about why uh, uh, the, a, a very low percentage of orgasms, uh, you know, is this, is this true? Uh, I think that uh, it's really uh, a thing to to consider is the 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 um, the way the, the communication between between partners um, that um, it's it's really if 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 the communication is improved uh, communication not necessarily verbal i mean nonverbal as well as verbal communication communicating what one likes what feels good and and what doesn't feel good and and preferences uh, mutual i think that this this is crucial for for uh, increasing the the likelihood of having um, um, sexual response to to uh, to orgasm Absolutely. and um, uh, i think just sensitivity and understanding um, uh, the the, uh, the preference of how to start and and uh, uh, you know I sort of, I, maybe it's a, a crude analogy but uh, uh, you know, if, if you just drive an automatic car, you step on the gas and you expect it to go. Mm-hmm. But if you drive a manual transmission, you know, you have to start in first gear and then into second and then third, fourth, yep. fifth, sixth. <laughs> you build up the momentum. True. And, and you know, this could be a um, a, a message of, of trying to understand, of getting getting the system going. Uh, because the different the different genital pathways have different sensitivities and different thresholds, and you know some uh, are are easily excited and others are are it takes more uh, longer stimulation to excite them, but yeah. they you know uh, deep deep waters run uh, or what is it um, 
slow waters run deep, you know, and <laughs> exactly. there are different, moment, sure. different momentum, uh, and to take advantage of that and to understand and to communicate, I think that could uh, go a long way in increasing the likelihoods of uh, getting of having orgasms. Absolutely. That's such a good point. As you said, it's, it's using the same analogy, it's every car is different, every relationship is different, so your body will respond differently right. to a different person, and it's interesting because right. so many people are ashamed to to talk about sexuality or embarrassed or don't know how to approach it and you know just taking baby steps and even there's ways to communicate through body language too or showing each other things and experimenting and uh, what a beautiful way to enhance intimacy too to to grow together and build something you know that's that's a beautiful point wonderful well thank you so much for for joining me today and again for allowing me to come into the uh the lab i i so appreciate the experience and uh wish you all the best if there's anything more i can do anytime anytime august and and uh it's a pleasure uh, pleasure meeting you and and getting to know you and uh anytime you have any questions or if you think i can uh, provide any uh uh, meaningful answers uh, please feel free to contact me fantastic thank you i sure will very insightful, right? I, I love learning about uh, the science of sexuality and all of these interesting findings that we're still coming to, you know, as we've talked about when we talked with um, Thomas Mayer, who, uh, the biographer who uh, wrote the book that, that Masters of uh, sex TV show is based on, you know, we we're talking about how far and yet how far we have to go as far as uh, what we know about sexuality, especially female sexuality, uh, since there are so many myths. Uh, but I loved those points. And I, I just feel very grateful to both of our guests today for bringing light to such important issues. I think it's just as important that we keep a, a good spirit and are able to laugh at everything in life and to uh, understand our bodies, communicate with our partners, all wonderful takeaways. Uh, have you been surprised by an orgasm? Are you uh, are you fascinated as well by the brain and, and orgasm? I'd love to hear your thoughts. If you would like to chime in, join me in the Girl Boner Communities online on Facebook, Twitter, and my blog. Links are available at augustmclaughlin.com. To learn more about Aliyah Janine, you can go to aliyahjanine.com or her podcast through scatterbrainspodcast.com. I'll be sharing more from Dr. Uh, Commissark on my blog as well. If you're enjoying Girl Boner Radio, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating and review, and hop over to my website, augustmclaughlin.com, for show extras and a whole lot more. Thank you so much for listening, and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week.